Brady Saar, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services, Erskine. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Monday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Whitney Pittman, along with Randy Conan and Tyler Donaldson. Last week's Ag Outlook Forum numbers confirmed for traders there will be plenty of corn and soybeans remaining at the end of the year. Even with prices trending lower, NAU Country Vice President of Farm Services Rich Morrison says farmers don't seem too eager to sell. At this point, you know, it's early enough in the year, I think most people are still willing to hang on. And I know that's a, a hard deal when you got a basis contract, especially. That, that seems to be catching a lot of news that, you know, a lot of the basis contracts that are going to expire here at the end of the month, and uh, you're going to have to roll those, and it's going to be kind of painful to do that. But I still think most people will. And, uh, you know, another alternative strategy might be to sell and buy a call option. Uh, at least it limits your downside risk. It still gives you some upside potential. But, uh, uh, but I, I would imagine most people are going to hang on and, at this point, wait and see what spring weather does. To manage risk, Morrison says be aware of changes to the farm program prices. Definitely. In my visits in uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, it sounds like a lot more people looking at, uh, at you know, canola or small oil seeds, dry beans, uh, you know, contract-type crops, uh, moving away from the commodity crops. And uh, that's typical in a year uh, where prices are going down. We typically have seen that. Uh, 10 years ago, and, I, and I've been comparing now to 10 years ago a lot this winter, but uh, certainly we saw that the case uh, back then as well. You can hear the entire interview on the Red River Farm Network website. The grains continued to trend lower going into the weekend, not finding any bullish news in USDA's Ag Outlook Forum numbers. The money farm owner, Allison Thompson, says without fresh news, that market just continues to grind lower. Um, and unfortunately, we just need something new to do it. Um, we need a production scare or a weather issue. And if we're looking for that here in the U.S., we're still a couple months away. Uh, but hopefully, as we get into the month of March, once those March contracts go off here in a couple weeks, hopefully we'll get some kind of relief from that because we will see a move out of positions. So if anything, we should be seeing hopefully a short covering rally here um, entering the green markets. So would definitely be good to see. And the Ag Outlook Forum numbers usually are the most bearish production numbers of the year. The USDA always starts high. They typically do put out high and lofty projections, and they didn't come short of that this year again. Um, but usually through the growing season, we do see those numbers dwindle down because there's always a story during the growing season, um, whether it's a production or weather or something like that. So it's not telling us the whole story right now. So that's important to remember. But it is something the market's going to be chewing on here for a couple months until we get into that time period because the crop isn't even in the ground yet. So once it's in the ground, then we're going to start paying a lot more attention to conditions. Boat marketing market analyst Dwayne Bussey thinks the grains will struggle to move higher through the spring. I think it's next Friday we'll have option expiration and then sadly maybe you know a little pressure on the March contracts as a lot of producers I, I think are going to end up throwing in the towel a little bit on the old crop and saying just let it go. It, and I think this may sound weird, but I think that's exactly what we need to force a bottom. Um, a lot of times with these markets, you got to get the last bull out and flip him bearish and then sure enough, that's the low and the market can start to recover a little bit. Bussy expects the grain market to remain flat. No, I don't have a bullish story to tell you we have to make an upward trend from here, 
But the first thing we've got to do is get the funds to stop selling and the farmers to maybe dump a little bit, and then maybe we find an income recover, at least make a range bound into March. Like I said, and then we got a whole growing season in front of us. So don't panic sell everything here. We still got to raise a crop in 24. So we'll start talking acres and the what ifs and things like that moving forward. Minnesota Corn Research and Promotion Council board member Chad Willis was in Guatemala recently for the U.S. Grains Council winter meeting. Oh, yes, yes, they are. Uh, Guatemala is a good customer for our corn, and um, so it's great to get down there and kind of see things on the ground and talk to some of their officials also. We had lots of great speakers at this conference and a lot of updates on trade down there. Willis says it's important to maintain a good relationship with our customers. The main thing, you know, there's always a big push for ethanol into these newer markets, uh, so that's a lot of discussion on ethanol, and our council's regional director for Latin America is Mari Tejada, who actually used to work for Minnesota Corn 16 years ago. She's from the Marshall area, and it was good to hear from her about her uh, area down there and what their needs are and what the future for our exports might be. Some producers have changed marketing plans this season. Mitchell Livestock Marketing Field Representative Lanning Edwards expects cattle numbers to continue to decline. The numbers are down all over the country, and they sure are. You know, you, you kind of look at your figures from year to year. Counting from 23 into 24 here, we've sold a lot of cattle ahead of schedule. People that would normally background their calves have, have sold them already or whatever. People that maybe have fattened them have sold them as feeders. Uh, so they've shifted up uh, time-wise in their marketing. Uh, I guess my thinking is coming into, coming into March and April, I think our numbers all over will decline some and they, they surely will. For those considering expanding herds or entering the cattle business, Edwards says it's important to have a complete understanding of break-even costs and inputs. Keep your pencil sharp and know your numbers. That's, that's the main thing. Uh, of course, uh, I can attribute to the interest getting a little higher here as of late in the last year or so. You know, it's just about doubled when you was paying four, and now you're paying eight or nine or whatever in there. Uh, that's kind of going to be a big attribution. Feed costs uh, are are decent. I'm not saying they're, they're cheap by any means, but they're probably a little less than what they would have been in some cases and in some areas like that. But, yeah, if you're just going to get into it, for, for sure, watch your costs, figure out what your break-evens are, uh, just you got to keep ahead on it. You really do. Better to be in front and, and, and just, just watch the ball game there. Go to the Red River Farm Network's website, rrfn.com. You can sign up for the weekly FarmNet News e-newsletter. You can also download this broadcast as well as following us on Facebook and X, all at rrfn.com. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Monday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. The, con the contraction of the cattle herd is expected to continue this year. During the Ag Outlook Forum, USDA livestock economist Shale Shagam said that we'll increase prices for cow-calf producers. With those tightening supplies of cattle outside feedlots, feeder calves are going to be very valuable. you got to have something to put in those feedlots. And we do anticipate we will probably be hitting record levels of, of feeder, record high prices for feeder cattle during 2024, eclipsing this year's record, probably at about um, 248 to $249 a hundredweight for the 752 800-pound feeder steers we track as our benchmark. 
Uh, and like I said, that compares to the record of last year of about $219. So, you know, cattle feeders are going to have to pay up for those animals as we move into 2024. According to World Weather Incorporated, senior meteorologist Drew Lerner, is a warm, dry summer could be on the way thanks to La Nina, expected to follow the recent El Nino weather patterns. Now, there are some computer forecast models out there that are suggesting that a La Nina event is forthcoming. Uh, NOAA's model uh, suggests that it will be a very quick transition from El Nino to La Nina. And when we go back and look at the history books, we can see that in those years, there's a tendency for precipitation in the U.S. plains and extending northward into Manitoba and southeastern Saskatchewan tends to be below normal and temperatures above normal. El Nino, along with an 18-year lunar cycle that has historically indicated drier weather and the lingering effects of the Hungatanga eruption, could all drive toward a warmer, drier summer. We already have a warm bias setting up for Central North America for summer this year. And if we add the volcanic situation to the mix, I'm afraid that we may have some bouts of excessive heat that may occur, maybe not all summer, but a long enough period of time that we could threaten crops to a larger degree than what we've seen in recent past years. The National Weather Service in Aberdeen releasing its 2024 spring flood outlook. And, as expected, uh, spring flood outlook for rivers and streams in portions of central and northeast South Dakota, as well as west-central Minnesota, remains low. Weather Service says the chance of river flooding now is below normal over the next 90 days, largely due to the lack of snowpack. California's Prop 12 has now been fully implemented uh, for a month and a half. This initiative bans the sale of pork in California from farms anywhere that combine confine pregnant sows in gestation stalls. The rule was designed to protect the welfare of the animal, but Everag chief livestock economist Steve Meyer said it actually puts the sow at great risk. When a sow comes out of a farrowing crate after nursing a large litter, she is in a, a drawn down physical condition. It's the most vulnerable time of that animal's life. And this law says you throw her in a pen with a whole bunch of other animals that are at the most vulnerable time of their life. It's just asinine, really. I mean, uh, the, the breeding crate allows her to recover physically, to get her bred, okay, and to really recover before you have to mix her in with pen mates. And folks, I've raised hogs pretty much all my life and they don't treat each other nicely. They have to establish this, this pecking order and this is not a real good thing for welfare. Massachusetts has similar legislations in place, but the impact on food prices may prevent others from going down that same road. I, I don't doubt that some other states are going to try. I think some of those states are going to look at the results in California and say, we don't want to drive up the cost of food for our low-income citizens. I mean, maybe that will prevail. I hope it does, uh, but we'll see. Hundreds of Czech farmers have joined Poland, France, Germany, Spain, and Italy in protests to fight low prices and high costs, cheap imports, and the European Union's Green Deal. Farmers have disrupted traffic outside the Agriculture Ministry in downtown Prague with tractors. 
According to Reuters, the government says these protests have little to do with real farming. The Czech prime minister claims many of the protesters have other political motivations. For more information from the Red River Farm Network, visit Facebook and X. You can also find stories, podcasts, and more at rrfn.com. Reporting agriculture's business, this is the Red River Farm Network. Good afternoon. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Twenty Republican senators have signed a letter urging EPA to appeal the federal court decision to vacate the registration of dicamba. The lawmakers also want the agency to modify its existing stocks orders so farmers, retailers, and manufacturers won't be impacted this spring. Lawmakers from the region signing the letter are North Dakota Senators John Hoven and Kevin Kramer and South Dakota Senator John Thune. An annual USDA consumer survey shows strong support for plant-based products. At last week's USDA Ag Outlook, Executive Director of Plant-Based Products Council James Gluck highlighted some of these findings from the survey. Over the past several years, we've seen increasing interest from consumers and brands in a move towards sustainable products. In fact, nearly two-thirds of Americans report purchasing plant-based products and materials made from plants at least monthly. More than eight out of ten consumers said they are likely to purchase products and materials in the next three months. Over 70% of consumers said they consciously think about the products and packaging made from plant-based materials when they are shopping, which is an increase from about 65% just a couple of years ago. According to Gluck, a majority of those surveyed support policies for plant-based products and favor the industry's shift towards bio-based products. In this country, we're fueled by a long history of public and private investment in research. And nearly year after year, farmers prove that they can produce more with less inputs and increasingly in ways that are mindful of the impact on our natural resources. Along with the opportunity for growth comes great opportunity to impact our rural communities. The most recent data indicate that the domestic bio-based products industry adds over $470 billion in value annually to the U.S. economy. Markets, of course, closed here today for the President's Day holiday. Taking a look at the farm calendar, North Dakota Farmers Union Evolution Ag Summit will take place tomorrow at Jamestown, and the Forage Summit meeting will be in Alexandria, Minnesota. Sugar Beet Growers Seminar in Grafton, North Dakota, also tomorrow, and the Nutrient Management Co Conference in Mankato, Minnesota, will be tomorrow. And uh, International Crop Expo taking place Wednesday and Thursday here in in Grand Forks at the Alaris Center. Uh, February 27th, Getting It Right in Sunflower Production webinar will take place. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network.